cookies and muffins and a variety of things. You've been very, very kind to us. We've received cards in the mail. You've dropped off uh, words of encouragement. And I want to say personally from my heart, uh, as a spokesperson for our family, Sister Jeremy and Peyton and Paisley and myself, that we appreciate that very, very much. And it's good to see all of you in the house of God here tonight. Amen. It's good to be with you wherever you may be tonight. We're thankful for God's blessing and his goodness. And we want to pray that the, re the devourer is rebuked. Amen. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, just a passage of Scripture taken out of a context of Scriptures. This is a, a thought Jesus is teaching, and I'm just taking this one verse out of it. Verse 23, but he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight on Here Comes the Thorns. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Here Comes the Thorns. Here Comes the Thorns. April, we got quite a bit of rain, which is a little unusual and thorns and stuff started flying up all over the place. And so if you're a landscaper, you know you've got your work cut out for you. And so we're talking about different types of ground, but for the sake of a title here tonight, here come the thorns. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We ask that you would direct us. Hallelujah. We stand upon a rock. We stand upon a firm foundation. We ask that that word would bring strength and anointing to us. We give to you thanks and praise. And everyone said amen. Amen. Now, I'm not quite sure. Don't be seated quite yet. I'm not sure quite why everybody is a little quiet just because uh, not everybody is here and, and we're under different circumstances here. Doesn't mean that you lose your voice. <laughs> praise God. So... <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say amen. All right, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. People love stories. My children are often great critiques of the message, the content, and everything in between. And I've been notified, notified lately, recently, that uh, my, my messages are better if there's stories in them. So I guess I'll have to do a little better job of trying to find some stories to tell in the middle of the message for illustrations. But I understand what they're saying. As someone that is a great storyteller, uh, that resonates from the time you were a young child. Your parents have read stories to you, and they have told stories about their upbringing. It is a lot of fun if you're sitting around with some preachers that came out of this church just to sit back and listen to some of the stories. Stories are passed down from generation to generation. And everybody likes to hear a, a good story. Jesus 
told stories or he told parables because, not just to tell a story, but because he wanted to change lives. He wanted to take something that maybe they would understand and weave that into a story that would present a spiritual truth to them. The old definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so they're taking everything, everyday happenings and circumstances in life to help us understand a spiritual truth that maybe we can't see with our own eyes. When Jesus taught in parables, he was trying to bring to them something that they would understand in their culture that they would then be able to understand what he was trying to speak to them about in terms of spiritual ramifications. Our culture today is much different than that agrarian culture in the Middle East. And so if someone were to take uh, stories from our culture, they would take things that resonate with us in order for us to understand. Although we do have a very, very good connection with the agrarian society because we live in the San Joaquin Valley and in the San Joaquin Valley there's a lot of agriculture and so a lot of the stories that pertain to agriculture we would have a better understanding than maybe an urban city dweller would have an understanding of. So we have a little more of a benefit to make a link and to understand some of the things that Jesus was saying when he was talking in parables about agriculture and the ground. So he talked about farming and he discussed uh, different types of ground and that's what we're going to be covering here tonight. He talked about planting seeds. When I was in the country of Israel, everywhere that you would go, there would be little trinket shops and they would be selling stuff from maps of Israel to uh, I mean, you could, t whatever you can imagine, you could, you could buy garments, you could buy ram's horns, a uh, lot of things. And I came across a little collection on one of the counters that I thought was very, very fascinating. And I thought I'm going to buy that because I can see value in using that when I'm talking to people in my office. And so I did. I picked up this little tiny thing. It's in a canister, little glass uh, uh, thimble, and it's got a bunch of seeds in it. They're very, very small. And so in this one right here, I don't know how many seeds are in there, but there are quite a few contained in this little glass thimble. And so I thought, I'm going to buy that because there may be the occasion when someone who can't see what we're discussing, or maybe they don't understand, or maybe they are down, maybe they're depressed and anxious about something, I could pick that up and I could say, brother or sister, what you need is this. And then they would look at me and try to figure out what I was talking about, and I would say, that right there is the grain of a mustard seed. And the scripture said that if you have the grain of a mustard seed, if the faith that you have in your life is as the grain of a mustard seed, then God can work with that. You believe that here tonight? It can be very small. It can be very insignificant. But if you have faith and you trust in God, God's going to work through that. And so there's a, 
a scriptural principle in that. So I picked that up, a grain of a mustard seed. Jesus is speaking about a parable here, and he's talking about planting seeds. These people that are listening are farmers, many of them. Uh, there were other trades and different types of occupations, but in that region, uh, there's a lot of agriculture. And so they would understand all about seeds and plants because they grew their own fruits and vegetables. Maybe not all of us are as connected to that because we just go to the grocery store to buy all of our food. And we don't have to think about planting a seed, the types of soil, what's in the soil, the nutrients and all that goes with that. So let's talk just for a moment about how a seed grows into something else. It's very, very small. It's got a hard shell around the outside of it. And you plant it or bury it in the ground. When it's in good, soft, and warm soil, it sends out a tiny little root that goes into the soil because it's from the soil that it's going to reap and obtain its nutrients. And so it draws from the soil. When the root starts to go down, then there is a stalk that starts to shoot upward. When it shoots upward, it shoots upward into the sun, and it gets energy, and so it starts growing, and that stalk starts growing. It grows up out of the ground. Sun is shining on it. Nutrients are going into the root from rain and soil, and the more roots that grow, the plant begins to thrive. So that's what it means when you take something very, very small and you put it into the ground, you bury it in the ground, and then it grows and it flourishes into something different. When I was preaching Sunday night, I read a text about what you reap, what you sow. And so when I was thinking about that, I thought that would be a great segue into Tuesday night. What you put in the ground is going to eventually come up in a crop. And so if it's good things, you're going to reap the benefits of those good things. If, it, if it's evil things, you're going to reap the benefits of an evil crop. Well, let me rephrase that. They won't be benefits. You'll reap the consequences of an evil crop. But if you're planting seed in the ground, praise God, and you're, you're, you're taking time and effort to uh, think about the soil and what you're planting and what you're doing with your life, it's going to produce something that is beneficial to the kingdom of God and to others that are around you. Amen. So Jesus was talking about planting the seed into different soils. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse number 1, as he uh, comes out of the house, he sits by the seaside. This great crowd gathers around, and he goes into a ship. He's sitting in a ship. People have gathered around on the shore, and he starts to teach them. And this was one of the parables that he presented to everybody that was gathered together. You can read that with me in Matthew chapter 13 and beginning in verse number 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. Everyone say wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places. Someone say stony places. So we have the wayside and stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. 
and some fell among thorns. Here come the thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. This story, this parable, has more to do about the ground than it does the sower. There is an element of sowing seeds, but it has more to do with the ground. Jesus explains this, and he lays out the different types of soil. Some fall by the wayside. I'm going to change that a little bit. I'm going to call that the path. The pathway is where people have walked. And and when people are walking on a pathway, the soil is not loose anymore, but it becomes hard pan. It's very hard. It's it's impermeable. When you plant a seed on that, it can't develop any kind of root. It's harder than the ground on either side of it. People that walk on the path pack the path down. The dirt becomes packed. And so the seed doesn't have the ability to sink down into the dirt. You've got to get the seed into the dirt for it to flourish and to grow. This is one of the reasons why we are buried in Jesus' name. Not sprinkled, but we're buried because you've got to die out in the soil of God's goodness and God's greatness for something to come out of the soil. This is why we're buried by baptism in Jesus' name. We have been buried. Well, That seed can't get into the soil if it's hard pan. And so it sits there and it has no ability to get it to get any roots. It can't it can't get roots. And the birds, it's easy pickings for the birds to come along and take the seeds that are on the hard pan soil. Birds come flying in. They can pick that off very quick. So Jesus in his story said this is the first type of ground hard pan pan. You can't get through it. It's very difficult for anything to grow. Secondly, he said the seed fell on rocky places. Rocky places, every once in a while you can see something that tries to grow in a rocky place. And if there is a little bit of soil, it will set up and it will it will start developing root systems, but it doesn't have any place to go because it's rocky. So it's only going to grow as much soil as is there. Then when you factor in the heat coming up, it can't get any deeper than where it is. And because it is a rocky place, then the hard rocks block the roots and the thin soil soon it withers in that intense heat and it dies. You don't want to plant in rocky areas because that seed doesn't have the ability to develop roots. So there is a, there's a hard pan, there's rocky places, and then Jesus said there's also soil that is thorny. The, thorn, the thorns grow up and they crowd out the plants. What is the number one thing about pulling up weeds that you have probably heard from somebody that's a gardener? When you pull up the weeds, you have to you got to pull up the roots. you got to get everything out of there. Why? Because those thorns are competing with the seed that's developing roots. So below the surface, there is a struggle for the nutrients of the soil. And so here come the thorns, and the thorns are cropping up. And what they do is they choke out the life of the seed that is trying to flourish. 
What happens is that plant doesn't develop strong roots. It can't get to the nutrients. It's left with nothing. And so they barely grow at all, and they don't produce fruits or vegetables like they should because there is a competition, and the thorns have arrived. The last soil, Jesus said, is good soil. And it produced a crop 160, 30 times more than what was planted. Farming experts, they know. They know what the soil, they know what the soil needs. They know how to amend the soil. If it's got nutrients that are lacking, they'll amend the soil. They will add the right kind of fertilizer, vitamins, and nutrients so that their plants can grow. And if it's good ground, the reason for that is they want to see large, healthy uh, plants, fruits, vegetables. If it's done right, it will produce a great crop. Jesus laid out these different types of soil and the the descriptions of each one of them, some that were in the crowd, the disciples were trying to figure out what exactly are you talking about. Uh, on its face value, it is kind of apparent that you're talking about agriculture, and we can understand some of that. But what is the real explanation to this scenario that you're laying out? That's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. This is Jesus speaking. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it and which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Jesus said the same seed, same seed. It's not, it's not the seed. It's the same seed. It has to do with different types of soil. The same seed can produce no crop. The same seed can produce some crop. And the same seed can produce a great crop. The seed is the same in every place but the condition of the soil is different. These people already understood enough about farming, but Jesus was trying to tell them something about the kingdom of God and the condition of their heart. There is stony ground, there's hard pan, there's thorny ground, there's good ground. It has to do with how you come to God and the condition of your heart. If there's going to be anything that is ever produced in your life that bringeth forth fruit, it's the same seed that is given to everybody, but there are different productions based upon how an individual applies the word of God 
to their life. I don't want to have a thorny ground. I don't want to be on hard pan. I don't want to be on the wayside. God, give me good ground. Give me a heart that can receive from your word so that I can produce something that is valuable. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together. Praise God. This this has to do with choices that we make. Choices about the message of God that we receive. And the condition of a person's heart compares to those different types of soil. Jesus said if you're on a hard path, then some of the seed falls on that path. The birds come and they eat it up. This is a person that hears the truth. I'm thankful for the truth. I've got to tell you, I'm very, very thankful for the truth. I've seen some people, they latch on to the truth, and they they walk the road of the wise man who said, buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. Somebody that says, I found the pearl of great price. I'm willing to, I'm willing to buy the field, sell everything else, and buy the field because I recognize there's something valuable in this soil. The truth is something that is precious. The truth is something that is valuable. A person that operates on a hard path may hear the truth, but their heart does not receive it. They don't let it sink in. Zechariah chapter 7 and verse number 12, God was talking about his people, and he said they have made their hearts as an adamant stone, an adamant stone. Doesn't matter what you're preaching, my heart's an adamant stone. The seed can be delivered, but what it lands on is stony ground. Praise God. I I can't change that. You have to change that. Oh, I'm responsible to spread the seed around, but I can't do anything with the condition of your heart. You have to do something with the condition of your heart. When the seed lands... Their heart was an adamant stone, and so there was no way for the seed to develop. It was hard path, and Satan takes away the truth. In the Bible, we see references where the birds that come in, the birds are, are typical of, of Satan, the devil. We read about this in uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse number 11. Abraham builds a sacrifice and he, and, he, and he puts everything out. He prepares it. He, he, he cuts the meat and everything, and he puts it there, and he's bringing a sacrifice to God. And the Scripture said that the fowls came down upon the carcasses. And a, the Bible says Abram drove them away. He drove them away all night. So they were coming to take his sacrifice. The fowls, the enemy, Satan, comes to take the seed. And there's a great illustration of Abraham saying, you're not about to get to my sacrifice that I am giving to God because it's valuable. And so he's waving them away. The vultures are not going to get what I'm giving to God. I'm going to protect the sacrifice. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to protect it. Well, somebody that has a stony heart 
Praise God, a stony heart. I talked to somebody this week, and ultimately we discussed, and we went this way, and we went that way, and we covered this angle, and we covered that angle. And when it all came down to it, what it really comes down to is you are the one that can be responsible for the condition of your heart. Everybody else could want you to, to have a good heart. Everybody else could applaud you, try to support you, try to help you, try to preach you out into something else. But ultimately, somewhere you have to say, it's my responsibility to till the ground and make sure the soil is right. Make sure God can penetrate into my life and into my heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Satan comes and he snatches the truth away. Birds are a picture of Satan. Someone that does not respond or receive the word with faith, then their opportunity is stolen by the hand of the enemy. Amen. I pray that when people come into the house of God, that they've got a heart that is open to God, that can receive of God. And when the word of God goes forth, there is a seed that can plant in their life. Amen. And it can grow and it can flourish and God can bring forth a crop, something that is productive in their life. This is what discipleship is all about. Praise God i got to work on myself. Some things I've done and said I wish I could take back, but I can't. So i got to work on myself. I can't let stuff get into. I may be getting hold of myself. I am. I'm, I'm wanting to get into the thorns because here comes the thorns. You, you can let something that somebody has said become a thorn that grows up and chokes out what God wants to do in your life. This is not, this is, uh, there's another piece of ground before the, the thorns, but if I'm not careful, I'll get upset about stuff that ends up limiting my effectiveness because I'm letting thorns come up and choke out the good word that God has planted in my life. This is why it's important that I must make sure I do not get offended whether it's with somebody else or at God, God, I want my heart to be right. I don't want to be choked out by the hand of the enemy, choked out by the devil when God's done great things in my life and he's given me a testimony and he's given me the ability to say, if it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? I can't let the thorns come and choke out. Woo! God. You know why people, you know what I found in pastoring? People don't let thorns grow up and choke out their faith. Usually because of God or anything else, it's usually because of somebody else. It's usually altercations and things. Sometimes it's over kids, and the kids have forgotten, and they're playing together, but the parents are hanging on to these things for years. <laughs> <laughs> we can't let thorns and thistles grow up. Amen. We, we got to get to the place of a, a maturity where if I've said something that has caused division and heartache, I apologize. I don't want that to happen because God's doing great things in your life and he's got something that is a crop that is flourishing in your life. So if I'm the one that is the offender, I'm sorry. I don't want to stand between you and God and the crop that God and the seed that God has planted in your life. So if I'm a problem, help me get out the way. But neither can you allow what somebody else says to do the same thing in your life. 
that ends up stifling. This is what, man, man. This is one of the reasons why social media, and we've got to use technology, and that's what we're doing because that's the card that we've been, been dealt. But we need to be very, very careful in managing it so that it doesn't become thorny ground that chokes off what God's trying to do in our life. My goodness, you can, you can spend so much time looking at stuff that you think is really reality when in fact it's nothing but an illusion, and then you start letting that define who you are instead of God defining who you are and then all of a sudden the crop and the seed that God has planted in your life doesn't look like much. It's not getting the nutrients that it needs because there's other stuff under the soil that is trying to steal the nutrients that you need. Got a little quiet there. Anybody hear what I'm saying? It would be good for you to define and set some parameters. I'm putting this up right now. Hey, y'all, I'm gone. See you later. <laughs> Sayonara. I'm playing games. I'm playing uh, whatever with my family. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm going to be away for a while. We live in a culture now where if you don't respond right back, something must be wrong. <sighs> you didn't just call me right back. You didn't just text right back. What's the matter? Have I offended you? What in the world are you talking about? I was out in my yard watering the trees or the plants or I was playing with the dog or I was riding the bicycle or I was reading a good book or I was painting something. I was, I was putting together a chicken coop, Bishop. I was. Thorny, 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 thorny. Here come the thorns. I jumped ahead of myself, sorry. We're supposed to be talking about rocky places because that's the next ground. Rocky places, the seed falls into rocky places, and the people hear it with great joy. But like the seeds on rocky soil, they, they can't, it doesn't take root. This is one of the very, very tenuous positions when you're working with, with newbies. <laughs> they come in and they are so excited. And, and God starts, they're not the hard pan. They, they've received the seed and, and they recognize in faith that God can do things in their life. And so they respond to that and they respond and they're excited and they're joyful. And, and, and even during this time frame that we've had here, we've dealt with these kinds of situations. They're, they're new, they're coming to God. They're, there's exceeding joy. They're excited about what God is doing, but it's like rocky soil. And they can't get roots deep enough. And then when the sun comes out, they're buffeted by things and difficulties come their way. They start with great enthusiasm and, and, and then pressures come. And then all of a sudden there's not enough soil to sink down because I'm in rocky ground for it to develop and, and so then I'm not as productive as I need to be. This, this is descriptive of all the people that were excited about Jesus' miracles. There were crowds that thronged him. 5,000 he fed. They were everywhere that he was going because they were interested in the miracles. As a matter of fact, in one particular case, they tried to force him to become king. Why? Because they were excited about his power and his ability. He didn't come just for that. He came to declare the kingdom of God and a message that was going to 
to save and reach out to the entire world. It wasn't just about what he could do for them in terms of healing them. It was about him saving their soul and providing eternal life to them. There were a lot of multitudes and a lot of crowds, but when things started getting a little hinky, people started getting a little nervous, and now it became a true test of who a real disciple is. And that, that thinned the crowd very, very fast. It did because their faith was rocky places. When they faced pressures and bad circumstances, they quickly forgot about God's word. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, a true believer of Jesus Christ is going to follow him no matter what. I'm in this thing for the long haul. Doesn't matter what friends may say. Doesn't matter what the world may say. Doesn't matter what this present age is going to say. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to give him all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I'm in this thing for the long haul. Amen. When it doesn't look good, I'm still going to praise God. When it's okay, I'm going to praise God. When it's not okay, I'm still going to praise God. In the midst of all of that, amen. I'm going to follow him. Amen. Some of these rocky folks, these rocky folks think that maybe God will take away all their problems. And then when problems arise, they fall away, thinking that God was supposed to take away all the problems. God never said that your life would be easy and without any trials. But he promises something far, far better, ladies and gentlemen. What he promises is that he will be with us no matter what the trials and the difficulties that come. And that's much, much better. God's in the midst of my problems. God's in the midst of my troubles, and he's in the midst of my turmoils, and that is a promise that everything is going to work out for our good because God is with us. We're going to become godlier, and we're going to bring glory to God because God is with us. I want to preach to somebody right now in faith. You may be having struggles and you may be having difficulties. Don't walk away from God. Hallelujah. Let the seed that is planted, let it grow deep. Let there be a seed that goes down into the soil that starts producing something that is valuable. And then you say, well, that's not what happened. I planted some seeds and stuff came up and it wasn't really good. <laughs> Wasn't really good. And so now I'm, I'm dealing with the consequences and I'm even nervous that I can even do this anymore. You listen to me. You listen to me. You listen to me. You have faith. You don't let unbelief and doubt control you, direct your mind and take you away from the purposes of God. What you do is you plow the field again. You plow the field. You know what happens when the weeds grow up? At my house, at my house, there's an empty field. And, and when you have big rains, there's weeds start cropping in. You you know what they do when the weeds crop up? You'll see somebody, not too long after all of that, they'll be on a tractor and they'll be plowing the whole field again. Why? They're turning over the weeds so that they, they're able to plant something rather than letting the weeds grow. So if you're, in a, if you're in a bunch of weeds tonight, get on the tractor and start plowing.
Sometimes preaching is like the business of plowing. Ow, that hurts. How did he know I was going through that? Is he speaking to me? Does he know what I'm going through? That's God saying, plow it under, plow it under so that you can plant seeds, so that you can produce what God wants you to produce. Amen. 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 Thorns. Here come the thorns. It's interesting that Jesus said specifically about the thorns that it was the cares of life and the deceitfulness of money. That is very, very telling. Thorns are cares of life that will come in. All kinds of cares of life and the deceitfulness of money. And so instead of focusing on God, you know what? This, this is very, very true. And I'll just be flat out honest with you, and I hope you will, you'll accept it and receive it. Sometimes the thorns that come are not necessarily bad things. They're the cares of life. And you can get so caught up in the cares of life that it ends up impacting your spiritual walk with God. Amen. There is not, did you know that the greatest decision that you could ever make in life is your walk with God? That's the number one decision. The, the greatest decision you're ever going to make in life is that one. That's the first one. Do you know what the second one is? The second one is who you're going to marry. But we're not talking about the second one. That's a, that's a whole other subject. Let's talk about the first one. The first one is what you're going to do with your life in terms of living for God. And that, that, should be the, that should be the watermark in your life that says, this is what I'm going to do with my focus. And when you do that and you set out on that trajectory, there are other things that are going to come in. It's just life. He said the cares of life, thing that you, things that you have to care about in life. But that become mismanaged and all of a sudden you find yourself so wrapped up and caught up in the cares of life that you can't even get any spiritual direction or motivation or inspiration because you're so bogged down with the cares of life. If that's where you are, I, I want to encourage you here tonight to take inventory and to determine what really matters. You know what happens when something like we're going through in this pandemic? The good thing that comes out of that out of it is people start to step back and say, wait a minute, how am I prioritizing my time in my life? And, and what, what are the thorns that have come in and that choke off? That is the devil's business is to choke the spiritual life out of you. There is nothing more disappointing than seeing somebody that comes to the house of God full of vigor and full of energy, worshiping God, magnifying God, and then all of a sudden you see the cares of life and things slip in, and all of a sudden there's no motivation and the hands are weighed down and there's not the same intensity and there's not the same fervor because things have crept in and it's choking off what God wants to do in my life. The problem is not the seed. The problem is not the sower. The problem is the soil. And so this person, this man or this woman, must trust in God to deliver them from their worries and from their greed so that he can grow and she can grow in God's word. Sometimes career can overtake and choke out what God as intended for your life. Sometimes education can be such a thing that, that, that becomes a thorn. Here come the thorns. Thorns are coming. 
and they can try to choke out what God is doing. And then he said, there is the good soil. It fell on good soil. It produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was planted. This represents people that hear the word of God and believe it. Brother McAllister, please come and save me, please. They put their trust in Jesus. Their hearts receive the message of the kingdom. And that seed starts taking root. And it starts growing, and all of a sudden, stalks start shooting up, and it starts flourishing. Young people, listen to me. What I'm telling you tonight is very, very powerful and valuable. You plant the seed. There, there's no determination of when the crop is going to show. I would like to do that. Sometimes that's our problem in discipleship is because we, we want to move things along too fast, and we want things to happen too fast. And so we're sitting there, grow. It's not our responsibility to make the thing grow. The thing grows based on the power that's in the seed. And who created the seed? God created the seed. So what I'm supposed to do is throw the seed out there and pray and help someone make sure that the ground is what it needs to be. But ultimately, that process happens as it happens. You don't have control over that. You have to let the process take place. I want to be used of God. I want to do great things. I, okay, plant a seed and then start take care, taking care of the crop. Make sure the nutrients are there. Make sure that it's tilled and it's plowed and it's watered. And sometimes you just keep watering. Then all of a sudden things start coming up and you start flourishing. God starts doing things in your life. You want to you you talk about leadership? This is you start taking care of the seed that has been planted in your life and you're doing all of that and all of a sudden there are things that start shooting forth in your life and then all of a sudden you're doing things and you're valuable and people recognize you're producing some fruit that is valuable and plenteous 160 and 30 it doesn't matter that it was 160 or 30 it just it was the fact that something was coming forth some people may produce. Don't, don't get upset at somebody that produces a hundredfold when you're 30-fold. You're still producing crop, and that's a good thing. There's a variety of people. Same seed, but different varieties. Some are trees, some are vegetables. Some are tomatoes, some are potatoes. Some are oranges, and some are avocados. True growth takes time, takes time, takes time. Our local government requires that you do a soil testing before you start building. On this piece of property over there, they've got this. It's kind of interesting to watch. They cook the soils and do all this stuff and make a determination. Is the soil, is the compaction right, Brother Gary? Because you can't put a building like the Libby Center on something that's shifting around. And so they'll, they'll test the soil. The same thing in agriculture. They'll test the soil to make the determination are the right nutrients are there. You, you can plant all you want. I'm going to plant this. It's going to be a great plant. I'm going to plant azaleas here. And they're just all dying. What's happening? could be that the soil is not amended right, so you're not going to get a crop. I, I went to Bowles Nursery. Here's my story. <laughs> I went to Bowles Nursery to buy a tree. And so I was talking to the lady, and you know what she asked me? She said, that's a great tree. It will grow. It will flourish. It is beautiful. She said, where do you live? 
Well, of course I didn't say, well, what does it matter? You just put a tree in the ground, right? That would be foolish. I said, well, I live in the Northwest. Why? Why is that significant? She said, well, because of the soil. You live in a very clay area. And so when you plant this, here's what you do. You dig down the depth of whatever, and then when you get to the bottom, you take a post hole digger, and you go down another foot, and you put rocks in the very bottom of it, and then you plant the tree on top of the rocks and make sure you got a good area and put the dirt back in there. And the reason for that is because in clay soil, if the water runs, it, it, can't, it can't go all the way through. It doesn't drain. And so many plants and trees don't like to sit in, in areas that's full of water. So that's what I did, made sense. You know what happens out here in this field? We planted some trees out here. Out here, it's very, very sandy. You start digging dirt, you get down one, two, maybe two, maybe, <laughs> maybe only one. <clears throat> what do you get? Sand. Sand. Well, sand's, sand's not the best, right? The water just runs right through it, and the nutrients are not the best in sand. So you have to amend the sand with dirt to make sure that the crop can flourish. It's a matter of soil testing. How do you test the soil? How do you test? Okay, Brother Bradford, this has been really good. It's been great. Fantastic. You're 43 minutes, 22 seconds, 23 seconds, 24 seconds, 25 seconds, 26 seconds, 27 seconds, 28 seconds, 29 seconds, 30 seconds. What's the application? Well, do a soil test. What fruit am I producing? If I'm not producing anything, then there may be something wrong with the soil. Yes, I may need to do some work on the soil because I'm not producing things in my life that is spiritual fruit. God's presence and God's anointing brings fruit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, forgiveness, healing, righteousness, glory, grace, compassion, knowledge, and truth. These are all fruits that should be flourishing in my life. Well, I don't have any self-control right now. I'm a me monster. Okay, well, then that means... That means you need, to, you need to go back and examine what the soil condition is. The soil test. Bearing fruit. A plant does not decide when to bear fruit. It just happens. We can't decide when we're going to bear spiritual fruit. Fruit comes naturally when we remain connected to the vine. As we stand together, this is my last verse here tonight. John chapter 15 and verse number 5. Jesus said, what did he say? I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? That's what we need to pray tonight. Bringeth forth what? Much fruit for without me you can do. Can't make it on my own. Can't do it on my own. I'm not going to produce fruit on my own. But if I mean, man, if I'm if I remain connected to the branch, if I'm connected into the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. If I'm connected into the vine, there are things that God is going to produce in my life. We are not responsible. We are not responsible to make 
the fruit. We are responsible to keep the soil in good condition. We're not responsible to make the fruit. We're responsible to make sure that the soil's in right condition. And when we're in right condition, God has the sunlight, the water, the nutrients. Amen. And God produces something in our life that is beneficial. I want us to pray together right now in the conclusion of this service. And I want us to ask God, help us to, help us to produce much fruit. Can we do that together right now in this building? Hallelujah. And wherever you may be, let's pray together right now. Lord, I thank you and praise you. I know that without you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing on my own. I can produce nothing on my own. But if I'm connected to your anointing and I'm connected to your ability, praise God, I'm connected to the vine and there's nutrients that are flowing. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You produce things in your life when there's a direct connection with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Praise God. When you get distant from him, then things are not produced in my life. and The direction's not the way that I should be going. Things are not flourishing in my life. Nutrients are not there. Oh, but if you feel his anointing and his presence and with uplifted hands, your faith is before him and a seed is planted in the ground, God starts doing marvelous things. God starts doing good things. God starts doing work. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let us produce much fruit. Lord, I give you my heart. Help us to produce much fruit.